Hello and welcome to the Find Focus podcast, a podcast that is all about deep work, productivity and the impact technology has on our business and daily life. Your host as always is me, Martin Badeka, the creator of the Find Focus website and distraction blocker for Mac and Windows, which you can try for free at findfocus.net. Hello Jason, great to have you on the show. Thanks, thanks for having me. Can you tell us a little bit how you got into this whole entrepreneurship world? Yeah, so I had always had it, uh, you know, like this little bug in me to to want to make money. You know, I realized that that at least with money, which is how I started out, is the way that I could have nice things and and, and have things I wanted, and then that kind of turned into money buying me options. Um, so for me, options are being able to work when I want or have the things I want without asking permission for them. Like if I wanted to take a vacation, I wouldn't have to ask permission from my boss. And then that later turned into, uh, you, know, all, you know, entrepreneurship as a lifestyle. Uh, again, going back to working when I went to and, and me being a, able to dictate how I did things and, and where I got things. So the start actually happened. Uh, you know, as far as elementary school. So essentially being able to take baseball cards, which I was collecting as a hobby and trade those and sell those with other kids in my school, which later turned into comic books and learn and later turned into like candy and Cokes. Uh, past that point, uh, once I graduated high school and I started working for other people, I, I really got into this sense of, you know, I'm not able to do the things that I want to do and I have to report somewhere and be somewhere and I've got these responsibilities, not that responsibilities are bad, but they weren't the responsibilities that I wanted. And uh, so by the time I got to working at 16 through about age 25, I always had this side hustle or side gigs. And at some point it just really hit me that, 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 from what I did at a young age in school and what I was doing as side hustles is what I really enjoyed doing. And then that got into me and clicked with me that I needed to be an entrepreneur. So I definitely have to say it started out with, um, you know, first just liking to have money and then learning how that money could buy me options and, and afford me a lifestyle. And then after working for other people and seeing all the flaws with working with other people, uh, as an employee, uh, really embracing the entrepreneur lifestyle where I could do the things that I wanted to, how I wanted to do it. Um, and then, of course, things snowballed from there into success uh, because there's a lot of people who are entrepreneurs that don't have success and they are still not able to have options and a lifestyle. But once I was able to touch that, you know, that really set it off. So uh, did the, your, your side hustle uh, trans uh, transition into real business or how did you get started? Like, uh, yeah, wh when did you quit your job and decided to quit your job uh, and pursue entrepreneurship full time? Sure. Uh, yeah, the side hustles early on were always um, service based. And, you know, that's probably the fastest and quickest way that somebody could be can become an you know entrepreneur is to offer a service to somebody else. Um, you know the other fast way is to find a product and sell it on Amazon or sell it somewhere else and flip it. But for me at that time when I started, which this was all the way back in 1996, uh, at that time I couldn't really flip something on the internet because there wasn't that possibility. So I offered services, and my services at that time were web design. 
And then from web design, I noticed that there was a need for web programming. Uh, so I could build these websites, but the forms didn't function and they weren't interactive. So I learned how to do that. And then once the sites were interactive and I was selling them to people, I really seen this growing need for marketing. So at that time, uh, the, there really wasn't Google at that time, but there was the Yahoo directory, uh, there was DMOS and there was a bunch of other places. And I, I was playing around with how, uh, how to get marketing and traffic from those websites. Uh, that led me to buying clicks on GoTo at the time. So I got into pay-per-click marketing. Google was rolling out and, and being a search engine instead of a directory was a major shift. So I learned SEO. So I, so I was always in services first. And once I really got my feet wet with services as an entrepreneur, uh, and I shifted over to that full time from not being an employee, uh, my side hustle, because I always have a side hustle, uh, you know, even now, my side hustle turned into having a product, so a software as a service. Uh, so at that point, now I was not an employee with the side hustle of selling web design. Now I was a web designer, programmer, and marketer with the side hustle of a software as a service. Uh, now that I've got a software as a service, I've got another side hustle. But uh, you know, it, it always seems to evolve that way. And I think I think the major shift that that had me go from employee to entrepreneur was uh, many times I was forced into it. So e even though I realized I love being an entrepreneur and that's what I wanted to be, it was always scary to think, you know, I've got this fledgling business as a service provider. It brings in this amount of income. It's maybe a little bit less than my job income, or maybe it matches my job income, or maybe it's just a little bit more. Um, but as an entrepreneur, you know, in 30 or 60 days, I always thought to myself, well, this could dry up. And at least with a job, I've got this recurring paycheck and I've got these benefits. But what ended up happening to me was I learned along the way that a job is no security whatsoever. So with my generation, uh, I, I listened to my parents and grandparents tell me work a job for 40 years and retire. So there's this built in security even from a young age, but I was forced into it multiple times. Um, you know, I don't want it to make it sound like that I was a bad employee, but you know, so several times I was fired or several times I was laid off. And for me, at least it would take weeks, if not months to find another job. So my side hustle as a web designer, would supplement that income and I kind of eased into it, but I eased into it because I was constantly being forced. Um, you know, I remember I worked for a company for several years, built all their e-commerce web websites. They were doing millions of dollars a year. I was only making maybe $28,000 a year at that time. And after the third year mark, I asked for a raise and they basically told me, well, we don't have money to give you a raise. And I thought that was crazy because I just helped this company in those three year time span make over $20 million for my efforts alone. So I left and uh, when, when, when I left six months later, they came back begging me uh, to come work for them and they were able to have the money to pay me that raise. So that's, so that's when I kind of learned that things aren't always what they seem, but from past that point, um, you know, I, I would either get laid off uh, because they were downsizing. Uh, maybe I got fired for something uh, just because I was stupid and young. Um, I think the, the what broke the camel's back in all of this was two events, one of which was when my daughters were born. I, I have twin daughters. They were born a week later 
I was laid off from the company that, that I was working with and that really devastated me. Um, I learned that there is no security, especially in a critical time when you just started a family. Uh, a few months later, I ended up getting a job with a great company. It was my dream job. Uh, I was actually doing uh, digital marketing for an affiliate network called Media Trust at the time. And uh, it was everything I, I ever wanted. Great pay, great benefits. I got to work from home. I was doing the work I loved. And a year and a half into it, some venture capital people came in and they wanted to basically close down all of the remote offices. And I got thrown into that. And I was making this company millions of dollars actually with affiliate marketing. And when I got laid off, I remember I got laid off on my birthday and I was going on vacation. It was one of the first vacations I ever took. And I was going on vacation. It was my birthday. I got the call that I was getting laid off. And while I was on vacation, I had to ship my laptop, laptop back to that company. And it, it was a real low point for me. And I thought, I've been making this company millions of dollars with affiliate marketing. Why don't I just take the last $1,300 to my name that I had? Um, that's 1300 in savings. And I can't cancel this vacation. I've already paid for things. So I'm going to enjoy my vacation, but I'm going to take the last $13 I had, $1,300 I had and invest that into Facebook ads and affiliate marketing for myself. And those, those first two weeks were kind of rough. It ended up doing better. And by the end of the year, I already made more than seven figures in profit. And then it just really hit me. I can really do this full time. I don't have to have the crutch of a job or an employer. And, and that really set it off, you know, right there having that success and uh, it'd be a massive success at that. So you're talking a lot about uh, learning. How do you approach learning? Because like you, like even back then, like when, when you got started, like with uh, pay-per-click and stuff, like I think it's it's really not something you could learn. Like there's not a lot of uh, things you could learn at university, for example. So how do you approach learning in general? Sure. I I'm the type of person I have to touch it and I have to do it. Uh, I can read a book, I can read a manual, I can watch a YouTube video uh, to kind of get my feet wet and know the, the, the basis and the world about it. But I've got to physically touch it. I physically got to do it. Um, you know, for instance, we recently bought a new vehicle. The electronics on these vehicles change massively. It seems like every couple of years, um, you know, I'm used to just having a simple car with no electronics, no cruise control. It's just real simple. And then you get into a new vehicle and you've got this center console in the front that's touchscreen. It's got these maps and everything. And I can go through the manual. I can read it. I can watch some YouTube videos and kind of learn a little bit more. But until I actually touch that screen, go through all of the options and learn it. I'm never really going to learn it myself. So when it, when it comes to learning, whether there's resources out there or not, um, you know, there definitely wasn't any when I started out back in 96 uh, for, for what I do now, it really came down to trial and error, touching it, going over it on purpose again and again and again. And even when you're doing things purposely and you're going through the motions, it's not enough just to do the really simple stuff. You've really got to kind of stretch out of your box and out of your you know, comfort zone and push those limitations a little bit. And an example of that is, you know, I'm really comfortable with um, 
PHP and MySQL and HTML and CSS, but that really doesn't, uh, you know, that fits me in my comfort box. But if I want to learn something new, like say um, object oriented programming, uh, or if I want to learn maybe uh, something new like Redis, I'm going to have to go out of my comfort zone and install that, learn it. And what I find is if I start learning something like Ruby or if I start learning something like Go, the Go programming language, that ends up what I learned there actually makes me a better PHP programmer. Uh, you know, now I know these new skill sets, but it also improves my old skill set. So I think purposely doing something, getting your hands dirty with it and then pushing past your comfort zone is, is how I at least learn. And I think that's a, a great model for, for other people as well. Yeah, I, I talk a lot about, yeah, you should stop yeah consuming so much and instead, yeah, create things and uh, do it yourself. And that's where you actually learn. And uh, yeah. be, be, before the we, we started recording, you we you briefly touched like uh, going through a phase of productivity porn. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I fell into this trap where... Um, I don't want to say it was self-confidence. I think it's just questioning, which I think all people do. You know, I was questioning, can I do better? Can I be better? Um, you know, there were, you know, that, that especially comes when maybe you're not hitting certain goals or certain success levels you've built up in your own brain. So when I first started out, I'm like, you know, I'm not a millionaire yet. I'm not uh, driving a Lambo like everybody else says I, I should be because I'm reading these other blogs and so forth. And I start questioning myself. And at that point, I'm like, well, maybe I can do better. Maybe, maybe I can do more. And I start looking into productivity and I start reading things about, oh, you should go to bed early and wake up early that the early bird gets the worm or you need to do Pomodoro or you need to do um, getting things done or eat that frog. Forget a lot of these names already, but there's like these certain ones that you can do built in with Evernote. And then there's these ones where you've got three rocks and you go through your day like that. So like I'll like spend a ton of time. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about years, literally going through productivity systems and learning about new productivity, productivity systems, uh, putting apps on my phone, putting apps on my MacBook, putting apps on my desktop. I tried it all because I thought I was trying to find a magic bullet. And I was smart enough to know that there really wasn't one magic bullet, but I was just trying to find the system that I thought would work. And after testing all of these apps, all of these systems, I realized that all I'm doing is wasting my time. I'm not creating blog posts that could help me. I'm not creating products that could help me. I'm not pushing out as many services. Uh, I'm trying to learn all these new systems. So there's a lot of time taken away trying to find out about these systems trying to learn them, trying to use them when they don't work, uh, trying to use them again because I thought maybe I did it wrong. And then really at the end, what I realized is it's okay to be me. Um, and being me is finding what works for me. And what works for me literally is just a pen and a legal pad or a, a pencil and a moleskin book, writing it down, even if it's uh, a piece of junk mail that I've got and it's an envelope and I just write it on the back of the envelope. That's what works for me uh, because there's certain parts of my day where I'm a, a manager and I'm going through each hour and checking list uh, off for each hour. But then there's the part of me that is a creative person where I'm programming or I'm writing blog posts. I'm doing creative type things that aren't hourly task checkoffs like a man. 
manager. And what I found, at least for me, and I think it might be true for most people, when you're in a creativity mode, that hourly checklist or just a checklist in general doesn't work. And I think that's where a lot of systems fail because a lot of systems in my mind are built for somebody that that's a manager checklist type person. And even though I love checklists, I, there's a certain area for it. When I start writing or programming or coding, uh, none of that is, is valid because I find that it takes a good least half day to push out worthy code over blog post or podcast or, or anything else that's creative. And if you're locked into a system like Pomodoro or you're locked into, uh, I think it's called bookending or time boxing and, and you're booked into other things that are similar to, to that, um, it, it, it doesn't work out and then I get frustrated. So uh, I found out it's okay to do my own system and not listen to somebody else actually find out what works for me and not worry what anybody else thinks about it. Yeah, great. And I think a lot of uh, people, especially when they want to build a business, should he listen to that advice and yeah, just do what's right for them. And the more people I interview, uh, like uh, the more say, yeah, you have to do what what's uh, what's working for you and not for everybody else. So uh, yeah, uh, talking about Lamborghinis, I I think uh, you and me are members of the Fastlane Forum, and a lot of people listening to this podcast want to start a business. So uh, what's some advice you would? give somebody who's just starting out, maybe just uh, still attending college or uh, yeah, wants to transition from a corporate job into starting a business? Sure. You know, I think uh, there's a lot of people that worry about what do I sell? Um, you know, when it comes to people that I've talked to about software as a service, it's always like, well, what programming language do I use? Um, what service do I even offer? There's a lot of these questions of basically, how do I do something? What is the best pick? And for the most part, for a very generic answer like that, there is no right answer that anybody can give you. Uh, you talk to somebody that sells on Amazon, they're more than likely going to tell you, well, get into e-commerce. Uh, you talk to somebody that has a software as a service, they're going to probably persuade you to do something similar where you get a recurring income. Uh, you know, off a particular person. Uh, you talk to somebody that's a, a web designer or a digital marketer, that they might sway you into services. So when people ask these questions, what you're really getting is just somebody's individual opinion. It's hard to find somebody that has maybe done very well in all of those areas that can objectively say, well, I've done this, 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 and that. Uh, here is what I'm going to tell you. And again, that's going to be based on their success and their opinion. So I think, I think when you're starting a business, the main thing is this, don't listen to anybody else. And I know that sounds very counterintuitive because there's so many people that say, you know, read these books by these uh, people who are very well known, these podcasts, these TEDx talks, these forum members. Uh, I think that's good for a foundation and it's good to be knowledgeable. But I know that there's people that will take that to the extreme and they'll live off somebody's every single word. And what I just want to tell people is this, just don't listen to anybody. Uh, you know, even me right now on, on, on this podcast, don't listen to me. Do, do what feels right for you because what I found is, is that when you listen to other people or you listen to other people's models or ways of doing things, you know, again, going back to this productivity porn with how these systems operate like GD, 
well, like getting things done or, or Pomodoro, you know, you're fitting something into those boxes. And when something in your life doesn't mesh well with those models, you're going to be unhappy. Uh, so my best advice is this. Uh, I gave a talk at the summit earlier this year, and I've got a couple threads on the forum and a couple threads in different places where I get down to the root of what works well for me. And I think that advice will help somebody starting a new business because I went through things like uh, finding out my Migs Briars uh, personality type, uh, my, my Enneagram type. And then from, from those systems, I was able to build out core values. And from core values, I was able to build out a mission statement and goals. And then from those mission statement and goals, I was able to look at, well, what kind of business really fits me? You know, now I don't I write a Kindle book. Should I get in software as a service? Should I be a service provider? Now I'm looking at what my personality type was and my anagram and how that matched my mission statement and my core values and my goals. And now I can look at my goals and say, well, well you know what? My goals say this. And selling on e-commerce doesn't fit those goals. And uh, maybe being a service provider doesn't fit those goals either. But what does fit that goal is maybe writing Kindle books uh, or doing software as a service. So now I've really narrowed down how, what, you know, what my business should be. From that point on, uh, you know, I can start working in a more focused area to say, well, my goals and values are really around Kindle books. Now the question might be, well, what kind of Kindle books do I want to write? You know, a lot of writers, if you go on the forum or, or you look at their different subjects, they're telling you to write fiction for romance because that's what's hot and that's what's selling. Well, one of the things that I live by is if it's hot now, it's already too late. Uh, it's already ruined um, for a lot of aspects. That's why SEO is so hard right now. That's why selling on Amazon is so hard right now. That's why cryptocurrencies are kind of hard right now because there's so much interest in them that uh, policies had to be changed. So, you know, what would fit me in Kindle books would be writing um, nonfiction, would be writing self-help. And then somebody might say, well, what topics do I write in self-help? Well, what interests you? What do you know? Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that pay ghostwriters. There's a lot of people that think that they've got to write what's hot in self-fiction. Uh, or any topic and I'm like, what are you an authority of? What do you actually know? Now being an authority that doesn't mean you're a guru uh, But what do you know that you think the common layperson doesn't know that you can add value to and then do that? That's what you're an authority of so that's what I would tell somebody starting out is really find out what fits you and then that kind of narrows it down and then look into certain things like what you might be an authority of what you might know some of. And even though you're, you're not a guru or making a million dollars on it, you can still be an authority if you know more than the next person and can add value. Yeah. So let's uh, imagine we, we're starting out and we have built a product or a service. Like uh, what's uh, your, your take on yeah, getting leads and, and selling it? Like you're an expert in pay-per-click and SEO. So, what would you recommend like if you have this product ready like find focus for me right now where i'm trying to get the word out so how how would i go to promote it yeah probably the the easiest place to promote it would be in your sphere of influence and that kind of ties into what i just mentioned about authority 
Um, you know, even though you might not be the most well-known person within a particular su subject, you still might be an authority and you still probably have a sphere of influence. Uh, for somebody like you or me, our sphere, our sphere of you know, influence might be the fast lane forum because we interact with, with people there, you know, constantly. Uh, so I would start there. I, you know, you've obviously got a thread there, so you started there, but you, you work on your sphere of influence first and then those people are going to give you feedback to be able to improve your product. Uh, they're going to be your test bed for pricing. So maybe one week you've got pricing at this price or you've got a, a freemium model that is seven days or maybe you change it to lifetime three weeks later. So that sphere of influence is definitely going to give you feedback to improve your product. They're going to be your test bed for any split testing or, or theories that you have. And then if your product is really good, they're going to tell other people, uh, even if they don't tell other people naturally, you might uh, go post it on Reddit or you might, might go post it on Product Hunt. And then you can go back to the Fastlane forum or your sphere of influence and say, hey, I've got my product here. Can, can you all uh, you know, interact with Product Hunt and upvote it? Or can you leave comments on Reddit? And then from that point, it's going to start growing when I built my first software as a service, or even when I was doing service, uh, you know, providing a service with web design and selling pay-per-click marketing as a service, I always went to forums first. Uh, and I went to the forums where I had a sphere of influence. And that got me by when I was struggling. That got me by when my first SaaS got launched. It got me by when my last SaaS got launched. Um, and then from there, it just naturally grows. And, and the way that it naturally grows from there is that um, other people start talking about you. Uh, they talk about you in areas that you had never even known about. Like with SERP Woo, we do not do uh, any pay-per-click marketing. Uh, we barely do any SEO at all. Our, our SEO is basically just writing blog articles that, that are helpful for people. But over the years, what I've noticed is as our product has added value to people, people have gone to conferences and talked about us and we never knew about it. We would later find the slide deck on, um, I forget the service now LinkedIn's bought it, but the, the slide deck service where you can upload your slide decks and we would get these alerts and we'd go look and like, Oh, somebody talked about us at all these conferences uh, or somebody's talking about us on Reddit and they're talking about us uh, on other places. And then that kind of gets into people doing social media for you. And, uh, you know, I think once you see that traction rolling, that that would be a perfect opportunity for somebody to invest more in SEO, because at that point, other people are kind of doing the work for you and they're building links to you and they're talking about you. Now you start pushing out a lot more content. I mean, you should have been doing content anyway, but now this is where you take it to the next level. And then you start doing pay-per-click uh, right at that point too, because now that's when, if, if you know the concept of a flywheel, this is the point in your marketing where that flywheel is getting enough push and enough circulation that it's going to start going on its own. And when you step up your SEO at this point and your pay-per-click, you're just making that spin faster. It's already going on, on its own now, but you're making it spin faster. If you try to do that uh, before the flywheel is really starting to go and gain momentum, it's it's a lot harder because people start saying, you know, they, they see your pay-per-click ad early and they're like, I don't even know what this company is. I don't even know this brand. I don't even know how to say this brand name. So you've kind of got that barrier. 
there, there's no trust yet. But once that flywheel starts moving, there's inherently some trust there and that makes the rest of your marketing easier. Okay. So you mentioned a lot of uh, forums. I, I like nowadays, uh, most of these discussions, at least it appears, go to, to Facebook. How do you see Facebook? How do you see like forums? Because I, for example, I really like the, the fast lane forum and uh, yeah, Facebook is just way too noisy for me. Yeah, the the shift is is definitely moving to Facebook groups, um, Slack, um, even Telegram for like crypto traders. So, now I had the benefit at least when I started out, um, you know, even all the way up to about 2013, forums were still a, a, a mainstream for a lot of people, especially digital marketers, especially people that, that were into certain hobbies um, and areas. So forums were, you know, a, a good standby. And as Facebook groups have gotten more popular, people started migrating to Facebook groups. And Facebook groups are big, but I see this, uh, especially with digital markers. I, I really can't comment in other areas, but I know at least with, with digital markers and areas where the, the digital frontier is getting pushed, people are, are moving away from Facebook groups in that area and they're going to like Slack channels. They're going to Skype groups. Uh, they're going to like Telegram. Um, you know, they're, they're going to these other areas and I'm finding at least with di with digital marketers that forums are getting abandoned. Facebook groups were filled with spam and, and they're kind of filled with spam and, and, and a lot of places like when I was looking at Amazon and selling on Amazon, I thought, you know, I'm going to join the Amazon group on Facebook so that I can keep abreast of all the new information. And I literally spent hours each day applying to groups. Like there's literally thousands and thousands and thousands of Amazon groups. Then as I started weeding through them and looking at my newsfeed, it's all spam. So once you cut all the spam out, there's still a ton of Facebook groups, but they're abandoned. There's not anybody posting now. And uh, so it, it's hard to keep abreast of where things are moving. But if you can, can find out where your target market hangs out, it could be anywhere from forums, but it could be Slack channels now, it could be Skype groups. Um, you know, it could be literally anywhere. And because it's all spread out, it's hard to, to focus on one and put, and put your message there because now you got to put your message everywhere because everything's spread out. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, so since you're this expert on SEO with uh, with your SaaS company, Subgroup, um what what is uh if somebody is starting out what, what's the main or the most important thing with seo i i listened to your podcast uh, about seo and you talked a lot about yeah consistency and can you can you tell us a little bit about that yeah you know seo changes so much um you know i've been lucky enough that i got a real early start in the internet age and i've been able to see Facebook come into the scene and all the changes that Facebook went through. And I kind of understand why all those change, you know, changes happen, like the Florida update and the May day update and, and a lot of these other updates and algorithm changes. And, you know, somebody new jumping in, I think they could read a lot and they can maybe experiment, but they're going to be behind because they don't know what happened in the past and the reasons why that happened, because that kind of helps you understand how the algorithm works today. 
why they did the changes and maybe where they're looking at by understanding the past. So I think with, with SEO, what's important right now at this moment, at least is, is definitely consistency and that's consistency with everything about your SEO game plan. So whether that's writing content and you're keeping it consistent on frequency of updates, you're keeping it consistent with the length of these articles and the elements that they contain, like multiple images, um, consistency with your link building. You know, if you're getting, if, you know, say you publish an article and normally the consistency with the algorithm is that you're getting X amount of links per day to your site and to your articles, that needs to stay consistent because when there's a drop off or there's a spike up, that's definitely a sign to Google that something has happened. You know, maybe the, the drop off might be that uh, a large site decided to remove all of your links because they thought your content was spammy. Um, maybe the spike up is because you've paid another webmaster to, you know, throw thousands of links at your site. So when you're not consistent, that kind of gives warning signals to Google. Uh, it'll give it to other search engines as well. Uh, the consistency also plays into things like, um, you know, if you start a new website and you blog or update um, for one year and it doesn't work and you give up, you know, that's definitely a red flag because with our findings in SERP Woo, we went through all of our data on billions and billions of data points and we were able to look at all of the top link. And one thing we found that was really interesting was any website that was less than three years of age on their domain age wasn't ranking in the top 20. Now there were some outliers that were out there, uh, but we're talking about less than 1%. But for the rest of the SERPs and the majority of the SERPs, if the domain age was less than three years, it wasn't ranking on the top 20 of Google. And this was for, spammy keywords. This was for e-commerce keywords. This was for brand keywords. Uh, you know, not the brand itself, but maybe another website trying to rank for, for another brand name. Uh, this was for everything. So if, if you're not consistent and, and wanting to go long term with your website, it's probably not going to rank. And even if you are consistent, but you're in those first two years, three years, uh, you're you're maybe not going to see any success with ranking on Google unless it's a really long tail term that probably not many people are searching for anyway. Maybe you'll rank there, but you're not going to rank for the stuff that really drives. So I think consistency across everything is definitely key. Um, the the other key thing is just content, 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 content right now because content will get you links. Content will build trust. Contents, which, uh, you know, if you've got analytics installed on your site, that's where Google is looking at your pounce rate per page. And then that's going to factor in, into your ranking as well. Um, you know, just just content in general, whether it's uh, on YouTube and whether it's on your own website, um, no matter or, or or even if it's a podcast, uh, you know, getting people to talk about it and have something to share and building those links up. Uh, you know, again, comes back down to consistency with writing and pushing out content. Is there anyone in yeah in the digital marketing space or uh, who does this really really well that you may maybe look at uh, sometimes? Yeah, there's. I think when I say that they do it well, what I mean is they they execute on the plan well. Maybe 
they it's not done well maybe with the quality or the reasoning behind it but i think somebody that that does it well with the execution would be somebody like uh, neil patel um would be for a while was was noah kagan which i really haven't kept up with with his website and stuff right now like oh like okay dork and and absumo but i know that that no patil does uh brian dean at backlinkio does as well too there's not a lot of content coming from brian but the content he has is really well done as far as like the depth and and the questions that it answers but when i look at somebody say like uh, neil patil there's just a ton of content that that comes out i mean if i was to guess just guess because i know that one person cannot do this alone he's probably got uh you know a team of writers or an agency that that helps him write uh guest bloggers that that write i mean he he probably has 20 articles a day just presented to him and then it's just picked out you know what's going to go where and if it's going to go on his website or somebody else's i think that's where the the larger companies that are executing well are doing is they're producing a ton of content and then even though they're producing it it may not be on the website but they're producing a ton and then they're going through that content saying okay this is the best out of the 20 articles today let's post that and then because they're doing that they always have content to put on their website daily if not weekly uh, they, they've got a lot of content that they can go through to say what's the best content. It's not somebody maybe like uh, a lone person that has to sit here and think, well, what do I write about? And is that even good enough? Is this title good, you know, good enough? Can I even get this written in one day? And then it repeats the next day. So I, I think somebody who executes well would be those particular marketers. Um, but there are people who produce great content, but maybe it only comes out once a month or maybe once a quarter. Um, Viper was a good example that their website, you know, the articles that, that, that would come out weren't that frequent. Uh, but they were huge articles that went in depth and talked about topics that nobody else was really talking about because they weren't the bland vanilla writers just throwing out anything. Um, so you, you, you've got people that do it well on execution and then you've got people that do it well on quality, but it might not be as frequent. Yeah, so I think it comes uh, back to do what's right for you and try to be consistent with that and find find your your peer group, whether that's a forum, whether that's starting your own Facebook group or uh, yeah, whatever it might be for you. There's no, no right or wrong. Some things do work and uh, sometimes the complete opposite does work as well. So you have to find what's what's right for you. Exactly. Yeah, there's there's a thousand ways to skin a cat. Uh, it's just depending on, you know, what way we're, you know, works best for you. <laughs> yeah. Is, is there anything I haven't asked you about uh, that you'd like to share with our audience? Um, I don't think there's anything you haven't asked me, but I, I do want to point out to people, you know, I know there's going to be people listening or watching. They're, they're questioning everything, whether they're productive enough or they've Pick the right business model. Uh, maybe, maybe it's certain life choices. You know, my mom told me that I needed to work at a job for 40 years, or my dad told me that I needed to to find a really nice girl who can cook, and you know, just anything that somebody has told you. It's great to take that information in. It's great to to take that information and dissect it for yourself. But when it actually comes to the decision making part. 
you know, people just really need to listen to themselves and listen to their gut. And even if what your gut is telling you or maybe what you're thinking about doing goes totally opposite of what maybe your mother has told you, maybe your professor has told you, uh, or somebody on a forum has told you that is completely okay because listening to other people, I've realized um, that's just their opinion. Uh, maybe that's what somebody else had told that person and that person really doesn't know that is truth. It's just something they're parroting from somebody else from years ago. You really just need to make your own decision um, and be comfortable with that and, and, and actually be proud of that and, and stay with it and stay with the flow and just have confidence with it. Yeah, awesome. I yeah, that's I I wrote like uh, on Quora a post like a while ago, and it was the question was like, what are three practices to stay young? And I did not even uh, know what I answered like for the first uh, two practices, but uh, the third one was yeah, just do not care, do what's right for you, and that was uh, viewed by uh, uh, got more than one million views. So that's uh, something yeah. that resonates and that we cannot repeat often enough. Uh, Uh, especially for for entrepreneurs so exactly so um yeah thank you for the interview uh how can how can people find out more about you and uh what you do sure uh well probably the two easiest ways one if they're a member of the fast lane forum or even if they're not you know they they can go to the fast lane forum and find me there Uh, you know, under my, my avatar or my screen name, which is e-liquid, which has nothing to do with e-cigarettes, but uh, it's e-liquid. And then uh, if not there, they can definitely come to Cirque you know, not only just to find me, but to read the articles about digital marketing. They can e even sign up for a free account there. It's free lifetime. It's not free as in limited abilities or, or time, uh, but they can check that out. And of course, there's lots of articles there that I've written uh, and they can reach me there through the help desk or through email as well. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for the interview. Sure. Thank you, Martin. Thanks for listening to the Find Focus podcast. Remember, if you want to eliminate low-value tasks like browsing Facebook or watching YouTube videos and replace them with high-value tasks and create deep work habits, you can try Find Focus for free at findfocus.net.